Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Wiglet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Two, two, boom! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's Fastest 90 Minutes Post Time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozen. Smoking Gun Shaman Hall production. Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't know! That just happened! Don't touch that dial. You know what day it is. It's post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And boy, do we have an action-packed show for you today, uh, Mike. Uh, we like a good old spirited debate, and we're going to have another one of our, uh, another one of our, uh, not really a big debate like we had for the USTA, but we're going to have a panel of three people come on and uh, talk a little bit about admission at racetracks, and it's uh, it's going to be a spirited debate and i can't wait to uh hear the ideas of some of these guys you're not going to want to miss it because we're getting out of our comfort zone aren't we mike carter we're going to test the waters a little bit listen we 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 meant to put this in the press release uh that you know the ideas of these people (laughs) these people don't necessarily reflect ours because uh this thing uh we, we are stepping out of our comfort zone a little bit yeah, we're, well, you know what? We're going to have a good debate. I think it's a discussion that needs to be had, um, you know, admission fees at racetracks. And I know some racetracks do it, some racetracks don't. And there's some good debate. There's some good arguments on either side of it, Mike. So we're going to get some of those ideas here today with uh, th- three pretty solid gentlemen in the business, if you ask me. Hall of Famer Murray Brown from Hanover Shoe Farms, the co-host of Trotcast Revolution, Jay Hochsteller, will be making his post time with Mike and Mike Dave as well as uh, horse owner Adriano Sorella. So That'll certainly be very interesting. That is coming up near the top of the hour. Plus, our guy, the manager at Gateway Farms, Tim Hunderfund, will be joining the program. I got a chance to call at Gateway. They uh, do the baby races uh, about three or four Mondays every year, and I had a chance to call at Gateway this year. Their mini meet just kind of wrapped up, and I'll tell you what, a great, great setting for harness racing. It's uh, fun because you get to see a lot of good young horses, a lot of the budding superstars for tomorrow, and uh, the guy that's going to come on in a few minutes, Tim Hunter, Funny makes a lot of that happen, Mike. Yeah, Tim Hunterfund does a great job. He's also a great horse owner as well. And uh, listen, I can't I can't say his name for anything, but uh, <laughs> I've learned how to say his name. Uh, we're also going to have Robert Cooper on. Mike Melmara has absolutely been dominant since coming back. And um, Robert Cooper is going to talk about his horses' prospects coming up in the Ben Franklin for older pacers. Mike, this is an exciting time as Freaky Feet Pete is also going to make his return. You know what? We should have probably had the 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 Reinheimer connections on, but you know what? We'll We'll snag him up next week and uh, see how Freaky Feed Pete uh, did. But uh, we're also going to have our Running Aces segment with uh, 
host Darren Gagne and Mike. These, these segments have always been a little bit fun, uh, not just because we get to take a 20-minute break, because I like, you know you like to take a nap in the announcer's booth in Harris, Philadelphia, but also because it gives us a chance to reach out to some of the smaller tracks that may not get as much publicity and uh, allow them to uh, air some things that may be going on at their racetrack and also some great interviews. Yeah, no question about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mike Darren Gagne does a great job. And uh, I'll tell you, I was watching some of the Facebook feeds, some of the Facebook lives that uh, Darren and the guys have been doing out there, some of the video footage that they have been taking. And boy, they've been getting some great crowds up in Minnesota. So I was going to be anxious to uh, hear what Darren Gagne has to say about the happening, happenings that are coming up at Running Aces uh, Casino and Racetrack. Lots going on. It's a busy edition. Uh, and don't forget, we will take a look at the eliminations. Sun Stakes, uh, Sunstake Saturday is coming up just a week from Saturday. They have eliminations this week. All kind of goodness going on at Pocono. And as a matter of fact, we'll even give a little bit of a teaser for next week, Mike, as uh, we'll have Jen Starr, Jim Bavigli, and the gang join us to preview Sunstake Saturday coming up next Saturday at Pocono. Lots going on. Tim Hunterpun is in the on-deck circle. We're going to hear all about Tim's career and Gateway Farms. We'll even talk a little bit about the history of Gateway Farms up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Consider who we are. According to the 2010 Equine Census, we are 28,340 people with 81,000 horses on 16,040 properties that comprise 587,000 acres. Our assets are $5.6 billion. Our direct operating expenses are $363 million. And our economic impact has never been accurately measured, but is in the billions. We are every breed and every discipline in the horse world, and we are the place where many of those disciplines began in these United States. We are the Maryland Horse Council. For more information, visit mdhorsecouncil.org. That's mdhorsecouncil.org. Back on post time with Mike and Mike presented American Bozich along with Mike Carter. Lot to come in this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Towards the top of the hour, gonna have a good old spirited debate. Uh, talking about uh, whether racetracks should charge admission or not. We've got Murray Brown, Jay Hoxdeller, and Adriano Sorello. They're going to slug it out, Mike. Not literally, but uh, we'll have to play the role of referees. They, because they have differing opinions, Mike. That's what's going to be interesting about this thing. Robert Cooper is going to join us. Darren Ghani in the weekly Running Aces segment also is coming up as well. But first, it's our guy, the uh, heart and soul of Gateway Farms, Tim Underfun. Tim, how are you, my friend? All right, guys. How are you? Doing fantastic. Well, Tim, I have to say, first of all, 
that I had a chance, of course, to uh, pinch it for Larry Letterman, if you will. And by the way, I had a chance to talk to Larry. Larry uh, seems to be doing okay. I know Larry's got a lot of fans out there, and Larry's been on the show a couple of times, so Larry's doing pretty good. But, uh, Tim, I had a chance uh, to watch you in action a little bit. You drive around on the golf cart, kind of making sure everybody's happy, just going from base to base, if you will. And uh, another uh, baby race uh, mini season wrapped up at Gateway. How did it go? It went great. Everything went good, and uh, I want to thank you, first off, for filling in for Larry. You uh, did a great job, and uh, very glad to meet you. No question about it. Tim, tell us a little bit about the, the history of Gateway Farms. Uh, what, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the, the, the past, and I know it's, it's been there for a while, and it's uh, obviously been a staple in that, uh, that part of the world, if you will. Yes, it was established back in uh, 1981 from uh, Kenneth Fisher had bought the property and turned it into the farm. Uh, we were stabled here when it was the family business, and uh, we were involved in training. My father and uh, my brother went on to drive and is still continuing training, and uh, my dad ended up managing the farm for a while. And then uh, when Mr. Fisher decided to purchase Freehold Racetrack back in 1990, they gave me the opportunity to uh, fill in for dad and uh, kind of manage the, the farm here for him, and, and have been here ever since. Tim, you've seen some great horses go over the Gateway uh, Farms racetrack, uh, whether it be through the baby races or some of the qualifiers. Talk to us about how the uh, baby races and uh, the things got so popular at Gateway Farms. Right. It came about way back, I'd say we've probably been doing about 20 years. We thought there was a need for everybody to baby race the horses on a farm track before they went up and, uh, per se, fed to the wolves at the Meadowlands and the other tracks so this way they could get a little bit of a foundation under them and uh, that's how it all started and we originally started out just doing two weeks then it became popular and everybody was asking us if we could go a third week and uh, we decided to do that and you know it's been uh, very successful yeah some very good fields there too and obviously have a chance to see some of the the budding superstars uh in the, the pacing and trotting world. Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know uh, you're also involved in horse ownership. Tell us about the, your career in the business a little bit. Yeah, my career started back, like I was saying, the family business. We got involved when I was a teenager, and uh, I, got, I took a liking to it. My brother was older brother, Joe, who uh, has a stable now down in Delaware. He was into it, and then when we got out of high school, I had an opportunity to go away to college on a golf scholarships, and the horses kept me locally. I just went to a local community college and just got hooked on the horses. And like I said, I trained on my own for a while until I uh, came over here to Gateway and uh, was managing the farm. But I've I've owned quite a few horses over the years, and my wife is very supportive of me at the farm because you never know what the hours are going to be. Plus, she's uh, very supportive with the horses. And uh, we own probably about six or seven horses now. At one time, we owned quite a few. Tim, I'm not going to talk too much about you owning horses because uh, some of us in the room can't say your name to save our lives. No, I'm just kidding. That <laughs> that would be me out at Northfield. That would be me out at Northfield Park filling in uh, for my buddy Ayers Ratliff. But uh, talk okay. to us a little bit about uh, you know you've got you've got your you know horses just about everywhere, and uh, is, are they hard to keep up with when you're racing everywhere, or you know do you find time to try to watch the replays from uh, all of them? Oh no, I definitely I definitely get to watch them thanks to uh the, the internet and everything now it makes it a whole lot easier being able to follow the horses and uh you know it's I, I prefer having them all here obviously in uh, Jersey or Delaware cuz uh, then I could physically go there and watch them race but uh you know the I enjoy racing everywhere. 
visiting with Tim Underfund. Tim is the farm manager at the Gateway. Tim, tell us a little bit about the property. I know that uh, there's a lot of horsemen that stable there. How many uh, stables do you have there, and uh, who are some of the bigger names that uh, that uh, stay there? You know, we have a uh, total of 17 barns consisting of a total of 650 stalls. And we have the, the mile racetrack, which you're aware of. We have a half-mile training, uh, stone dust training track also. We have a little sand jog track. We have the therapy pool, cold water spa. One of the veterinarians has a hyperbaric chamber here on site. There's feed men on site, veterinarians. So it's a, you know, it's a full. We actually have down at the front in the bowling alley there, there's the Rudy's Cafe. There's a restaurant there. So once you come here, you basically don't have to leave till you're going to race. Right, and I'll tell you what, it's a, just a gorgeous, gorgeous property. Tim, one more question before we let you go. Obviously, uh, you're in the state of New Jersey, and it seems like it's a never-ending battle trying to get slot machines in New Jersey racetracks, and I know how much uh, certainly of an effect that the slot machines or the lack of slot machines can have on your operation there. Can you give us from your perspective, from your vantage point, is there anything going on right now in the, as far as uh, slots in the state of New Jersey and when they may come to racetracks? I, I sure hope so because we certainly uh, we certainly need them here, you know. With the the property, the, the tough part is, as you know, Show Place Farm is closed down the road a few years ago. You know, with the property values around here, it's very hard to keep them going if you don't have the purse money going on where the horsemen could afford to uh, keep their horses here, and you know, it's a trickle down effect. You know, the, the feed men, the trainers, the vets, everybody. It's, 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 I think it's very vital that we do get the slot machines, and hopefully we will. But, you know, it just seems like it's something that's too practical that we should have them, and maybe that's why we're not getting them. Absolutely. It's it's all politics in the end. Well, Tim, listen, we certainly yes. appreciate you joining us, my friend. It's a, You've got a beautiful facility there. You guys do just a fantastic job there. And uh, it was a pleasure to call there, and uh, we'll catch up with you real soon. Great. Thank you very much. Take care, guys. Thanks. All right. That was Tim Underfund, uh, the uh, the farm manager at Gateway Farms. And, and, yeah, Mike, I did have a chance to see Larry Letterman. Of course, Larry Letterman is the regular caller at uh, Gateway, and uh, he's still uh, battling the health issues. Of course, he had a heart attack not too long ago. He seems to be recovering well. He had a chance to stop up to the booth, and we talked for a good couple of minutes. And, uh, Mike, he seems to be doing okay. As a matter of fact, Larry called at Parks on uh, Sunday. So uh, Larry's uh, doing quite well. He just has to, you know, keep – uh, he, he's got to be very cognizant of the heat. I guess the heat in his condition isn't a very good mix. Yeah, definitely. And the one thing about Larry, I mean, we were all worried there for a little bit. Uh, just after Sam McKee passed away, he had that heart attack not long after uh, afterwards, right. Mike. So great to see Larry Letterman uh, back doing what he loves to do. And, you know, if you ever get a chance to sit down and talk to Larry Letterman, just even if it's 10 minutes, to listen to some of his stories from New York and, you know, how he wanted to be a comedian. And, you know, they're, they're really pretty interesting stories. Well, you know, Larry keeps it all. I'll tell you what, Larry always has a great sense of humor about everything, no matter, uh, you know, how tragic the situation may be. So what's the first thing Larry says? Said, Larry, how you feeling? He says, well, he says, I must be uh, I must be doing OK because God must not want me up there yet. So <laughs> Larry, always with that sense of humor, I'll tell you, we've got a lot more left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike near the top of the hour. We're going to have a good old fashioned debate about the race tracks, charging admission. Murray Brown, Adriano Sorrell and Jay Hochstetler are going to slug it out at the top of the hour. Up next, we're going to hear from Darren Gagne. It's our running aces segment on Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. 
Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment this Saturday for their free $5,000 handicapping contest for participants 18 to 30 years old. The prize pool is entirely sponsored by Jeff and Paula Garral's Alarage Farms and guaranteed at $5,000. You can register until 7 p.m. on Victory Terrace. Also coming up on Saturday night, college students can enter to win one of 10 $1,000 college scholarships sponsored by Jeff and Paula Garral's Alarage Farm. For more information, visit PlayMetalLands.com. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is the premier harness racing facility and card club in the Upper Midwest, located just off I-35 and just north of the Twin Cities in beautiful Minnesota and available at simulcast centers and on ADWs across North America. With live harness racing action on Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday nights from May through September. This season, Running Aces introduces the new 20-cent jackpot pick five wager. For more information, visit our website, runaces.com. It's Darren Gagne at Running Aces Casino and Racetrack. Let's take a look at the highlights of the past week of racing action at Running Aces. Starting back on Saturday, June 17th, in the $9,600 Minnesota Sired 3-year-old pacing event, Class A, the Philly... What It Do, Baby Boo by Voracious Hanover posted a sharp winning effort from first over past the 5 8 pole to be second at the top of the stretch in a strong stretch rally to win it by one length in 154 flat, a new lifetime mark for What It Do, Baby Boo. Owned by the Van Otterloo Stables, driven a victory by Rick McGee and trained by David Flynn. In that same event, trainer David Flynn also had the second place finisher Steve's Hot Rod and the third place finisher Dewey Did Done Good. In the $6,400 B division of the Minnesota Sired three-year-old pace, it was another filly, Exqueeze Me, who posted a career best gate-to-wire effort in 156-3, a new lifetime mark winner by three parts of a length for owners Alan and Cheryl Sandbolt, trainer Denise Mayer, and winning driver Tim Mayer. Also on Saturday, the $13,000 Minnesota Sired three-year-old trotting event I am a pixie at midnight. Was a sharp winner by three and a quarter lengths in a career best time of 2.02 flat. Despite a wet track and post position 10 in the second tier, it was a perfect drive by trainer driver Nick Rowland to get the job done. I am a pixie at midnight. 
career best mile once again in 202 flat. The Phillies by SOS Lunar Eclipse. And on that program Saturday, trainer David Flynn had a perfect night of racing at Running Aces. As I mentioned, he had top three finishers with three horses entered in the Minnesota Sired Class A. He had two other horses entered on the program Saturday night, both of them winners. In $3,500 condition pace, Swagasaurus Rex paced to a 155-2 and two victory with Dean McGee in the bike for David Flynn, owner Richard Davilar, and his other entry in a $4,400 condition pacing event, Okie Dokie with Brian Deach in the bike, paced to victory in 156-3 and three for owners Devan Otterloo Stables. Drivers Tim Mayer and Nick Rowland had doubles on the racing program on Saturday night. Then on Sunday, we had five series finales. Late closing series action, running aces in June. We had five finals this past Sunday, June 18th. In the $15,000 final of the Charlie Hare Trotting Series, it was letting the night roll for owner-trainer Jenny King, who closed nicely from fifth throughout the mile to roll past the field in the home stretch and stop the clock in 158-3 with a three-and-three-quarter length tally. Luke Plano was in the sulky once again for Jenny King, and letting the night roll is a four-year-old mare by SOS Lunar Eclipse. In the $15,000 final in the Noreen C. Philly and Mayor Pacing, uh, Pacing Series, it was E.L. Peacemaker who completed the sweep of the series for four wins in a row in a gate-to-wire tally in 155-1, and equaling the lifetime mark that she set last time out, Steve Wiseman in the sulky, for owner Russell Crotchet and trainer Brett Ballinger. Nor the winner, E.L. Peacemaker, is a four-year-old mare in Illinois bred by Duneside Perch. The $12,500 Best Deal in Town claiming pacing series final went to Mighty Fine Hi-Ho. Owned and trained by Edwin Cavado, this one closed from 7th at the half to win by a length and a half going away in the stretch in 155-4 and four with Dean McGee in the sulky. Mighty Fine Hi-Ho is an 11-year-old pacing gelding by Hi-Ho Silver Heels. In the $15,000 What a Terror Pacing Series Final, Mr. Ranger closed from fifth at the three-quarter pole to win by a head in 154 and for a lifetime mark. James Yoder was driving for trainer Gene Miller, the owner Brett Boyd Racing of Michigan. What the winner of the What a Terror, Mr. Ranger, a three-year-old gelding by Pallone Ranger. The Minnehaha Philly and Mayor Claiming Pacing Series Final for $12,500 went to Secret Alibi. An eight-year-old pacing mare by the Panderosa, owned by Heather Matthews, trained and driven to victory by Luke Plano, was the pocket rocket on Sunday night to take the series finale by a length and three quarters in 154 and four in the Minnehaha. Also on Sunday night, the $12,000 Horses and Geldings Open Handicap Pace went to SF Don't Tell On Me, who left alertly from post six out of a field of eight to be the leader, then sat the pocket and pounced in lane to draw away by two and three-quarter lengths in 152-2, and two, equaling the lifetime mark, and defeating All My Exes Live in Texas with Mooney Swenson on the bike and easy again with Rick McGee. SF Don't Tell On Me is owned, trained, and driven by Joe Cassagrande of Michigan, and he's a 7-year-old pacing gelding by Cam Terrific. On Sunday night, Luke Plano had a driving triple. Dean McGee, Steve Wiseman, and James Yoder all had driving doubles on the Sunday program. Then on Tuesday, June 20th, in the $10,000 Open Handicap Trot, it was Banker Volo, who was back to the winner's circle at Running Aces for the third time in his four starts this season. In a dominating gate-to-wire performance in 155-4, he romped in that mile by six and a quarter lengths. 
with driver Luke Plano in the sulky for owner Dan Rowland, and Banker Bolo is trained by Jenny King. He's an eight-year-old stallion by Yankee Glide, and he's the current all-age track record holder at running aces. In the Mayor's Open for $10,000 on Tuesday night, Best of Jenna made it four in a row in 152-4 with another dominating gate-to-wire performance with Rick McGee in the sulky. Rick McGee trains and drives for owners Dr. Ken and Jenna Lee Rucker, and Best of Jenna is a five-year-old mare by Jenna's Beach Boy. In a nice $6,000 condition pacing event for horses and geldings on Tuesday, Fire Drake was the pocket rocket style winner in 152-4 for three in a row and four wins and five starts this year for trainer driver Nick Rowland and owner Jessica Johnson. It was a new lifetime mark, 152-4 for Fire Drake, who was razor sharp again on Tuesday night. This is a four-year-old pacing gelding by Dragon Again. And Fancy Creek Link also made it four in a row on Tuesday night with a win in a nice $6,400 condition event. Super sharp performance, 154 and 3 by four lengths, a gate-to-wire performance. Nick Rowland driving for trainer Brett Ballinger and owner Jim Ballinger. Fancy Creek Link is a three-year-old pacing gelding, an Illinois bred by Sportsmaster. On Tuesday's program, June 20th, Nick Rowland had five big wins on the program. And coming into Tuesday night's action, Steve Wiseman and Nick Rowland were tied in the top spot of the driver's standings going into the program. Once again, Nick Rowland had a big night on Tuesday with five wins, and he rolls now to the front with a 27-23 lead over Wiseman. Going into next week's racing action, Luke Plano is next at 19. Coming up this weekend at Running Aces, live racing action on both Saturday at 6 p.m. Central and Sunday at 6 p.m. Central. And then on Tuesday night, first race is 7 p.m. Central. Get in on the action on the 20-cent jackpot pick five at Running Aces. The current carryover is over $17,314. It's just a 20-cent minimum wager, and there's guaranteed 50% of the total net pool paid out each evening. 20 cent pick five jackpot at running aces now stands at over $17,314. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is the premier harness racing facility and card club in the upper Midwest, located just off I-35 and just north of the Twin Cities in beautiful Minnesota and available at simulcast centers and on ADWs across North America. With live harness racing action on Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday nights from May through September. This season, Running Aces introduces the new 20 cent jackpot pick five wager. For more information, visit our website, runaces.com. Here at the stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. 
earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Don't forget Robert Cooper, the owner of Melmero, will be joining us at about 11.15, 11.20 or so. He's going to talk about his horse's prospects coming up in the Ben Franklin Eliminations, which is coming up Saturday at the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. But first, it's time for a good old-fashioned debate. We're going to talk a little bit about racetracks charging admissions, whether it's a good idea, whether it's a not-so-good idea, and that we were able to manage to get a, a Three, a trio of a fine gentleman to talk about it with a differing viewpoints. We've got Murray Brown from Hanover Shoe Farms, the Hall of Famer Murray Brown, also horse owner Adriano Sorello, and uh, the co-host of Trotcast Revolution, Jay Hoxteller. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Murray, we're going to start with you. Um, obviously, uh, the social media buzz was uh, quite rampant, and it was uh, something that I believe a thread that was started by you on Facebook, uh, talking a little bit about the $10 admission fee that was charged at Mohawk for the Pepsi North America Cup. You didn't seem to think it was a very good idea. Uh, tell us why. I, I truly believe that anything that will diminish your audience is not a good thing. Uh, we had the best night of racing of the year thus far, probably the best night uh, that uh, either of the WEG tracks will have this year. And, uh, yet attendance was down, and I would think that the primary reason attendance was down was because they charged admission. Uh, I think the those great nights are the nights we need to expose newcomers or people who don't frequently go to the racetrack uh, to what we have. It was a great night of racing. Unfortunately, a couple thousand probably people who would uh, previously had been had been there were not. Adriana, let's throw it to you. Uh, you're a horse owner. You've obviously spent a lot of money in this business. What do you think? It's a good idea for racetracks to charge admission? You know, at first, uh, I, I thought it was a bad idea at first when I when I first came across. And then I started thinking about it from the business aspect of it. And uh, I think it's something that uh, they had to do. I, I honestly think that we need to change the way we do things because uh, horse racing has been in a rut for a long time. And to me, it feels like everybody's sitting back waiting for the next guy to do something. And it's almost like a charity right now. It's come to the point where we're just sitting back waiting for somebody to hand something over to us. And I think the way that uh, WEG went with the admission was probably the start of something different. Um, you know, did they lose some fans? We don't really know because, I mean, previous years, 2015, if you look at the crowds, it was a pretty big crowd, uh, 2015. There's a lot of pictures floating around, and you can see that it was a big crowd. Am I willing to lose 2,000 or 3,000 people and have the rest of them pay or most of them pay to come in and, and see the event? 
I think it is. I think it's a good idea. I honestly think that they're, they should uh, start making some changes and charge. And I think uh, the way WEG's going along with this, um, I'm not really sure 100%, but I think that uh, they're going to try to implement with the money that's uh, being given to them, fix up the facility, uh, bring in some, uh, some entertainment, and actually turn it into horse racing and entertainment. And for that, you need to charge people. I mean, uh, we have to start going that way and giving some sort of value to the, to the sport. Jay Hoxdeller, let's bring you in. You're the uh, the co-host of Trotcast Revolution, a very good uh, show that can be heard. You do it with Ryan Macedonio on Trotcast.com. Jay, when I kind of felt you out about it when we were thinking about including you, you like the idea of charging, but with caveats, with some conditions. Tell us about what you're thinking. Yeah, you know, I like the idea of charging in the sense that you can uh, – people know that there's some value behind it. There, you know, you can – I advertise free movies, but I guarantee you more people go and see the $10 movies because there's actually value behind it. They're actually good movies. So I don't want to charge admission all the time. When we have the North American Cup, absolutely charge admission because then you can say now that you have tickets and people have to buy tickets beforehand or they can do it at the door, now you can go to a radio station and say, hey, we have 40 tickets for you to uh, promo throughout the next two weeks, but we want you to give them away to people. and We want you to talk about the North American Cup throughout all this time. And we'll give you a booth at the on that night and everything. And then you can also go into towns and you know talk, you know, have a, a giveaway. Basically, hey, we had two tickets in the center of town. Uh, go find our social media intern there, and you know we'll t- take a picture with you, and you get the ticket to it, along with maybe a ride in the starting car, or maybe you'll get a you know a dining room table. There's so many ways to uh, not only it doesn't have to hurt your attendance. You know, sure you're going to give away some free tickets. But if you give away a free ticket to somebody, then they're going to bring maybe one or two people with them. And now all of a sudden you actually brought in more people by actually having a ticket system. You can't do any of this if you have free admission because then tickets don't exist. All right, we're going to go to Murray Brown. And Jay actually brings up a really good point is the value behind it. When tracks like this uh, present products such as, you know, concerts before the races, different kinds of promotions. Uh, you know, now that they're charging, they have a different way of kind of promoting their event. Uh, like Jay said, they could reach out to radio stations and things of that sort. Do you think that helps or do you think it still puts them at a disadvantage? I, I think the bottom line is that there were several thousand people probably who were not there who otherwise would have been there. Uh, insofar as the radio station thing, I think they can they can uh, have one hundred dollar bets as the prize. So so you know they've got something to really go to and participate in. Uh, rather, I think rather than a free admission ticket for ten bucks, give them a ten buck uh, betting voucher or twenty dollar betting voucher. That'll get them involved. Uh, if they, you know, if, if, let's say we'll use the number 2000, it might've been a thousand, might've been 3000, but if 2000 people who, who were loath, including some people who are, are strong customers who were very, very angry, uh, you, you just go to harnessdriver.com and see some, some people who I know to be significant betters or uh, read some of the remarks on Facebook who 
as a point of principle, did not come there that night and did not bet there that night because they felt insulted by the the $10 admission fee. I had a guy at the track tell me that he, he puts $150,000 a year easily through the windows, and he had to pay to get in, and he was very angry about it. I, I, I think if you're uh, going to give away something, you know, give, give away something. You know, give away a dinner, give away uh, betting vouchers. Uh, uh, to me, uh, the entertainment aspect was secondary. I didn't even go see it, but I was told that the, those watching it, uh, the crowd was very, very sparse. I had never heard of the person who was entertaining. Uh, I went to the races because it was was a great night of racing. I, I, you know, I ended up spending probably hundreds of dollars to get there and to get back. But, but this is something I looked forward to because it was a great night of racing, not because some country western singer was was going to be there. All right, Adrian, yeah, the gonna, same same question goes for you, uh, buddy. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to chime in to, to Marie's uh, Marie's comments there. Um, I. I to an extent, I agree, but I, I, I'm going to disagree at the same time. Here's the thing, what I, what I see with all this. You you have guys that are, or whatever, that are betting hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever they claim that they're, they're, you know, they're betting on it. That's great. That's fine. But it's still – it's no different than any other sporting event where you charge an admission. If you go – let's look at Las Vegas. You go to Las Vegas, some people get their rooms comped, but they get them comped because they're, they're gambling a lot. They're not getting them comped because they're just going to Las Vegas and they're giving away those rooms for free. So you're going to charge these people. You charge them to get in. You can have some sort of program for them. I know that uh, Woodbine's got HPI that they give points for. You, with those points, you can get your tickets if you want to go in for free. You, you, if you're gambling that much that you claim and you're insulted by $10 at the door, then you know what? Trade in your points for a ticket at the door. That's what you do. But at the end of the day, we have to change the way this, it's, uh, this game is running because now it's not good. We're all sitting back waiting for a handoff. That's what it feels like. And I think that what they're doing right now is, is a smart thing. They should be charging. And I honestly believe that they should be charging straight through every single card, probably not $10, maybe two, maybe five on regular nights. And then on big nights, $10. The whole ticket thing that Jay brought up is a great idea. When you have a tangible item in your hand that you can physically give away to somebody, it's got a little bit more worth. When you tell them that they're coming in for free, People don't care. They're like, ah, that's what people do. The regulars, they're going to go regardless. You know, gambling is, we can call it, it's an addiction. People who are gambling are not going to say, hey, you know what, I bet $150,000 a year at Woodbine, and all of a sudden they charge bucks, so I'm not going to bet again. That's unlikely that that's going to happen. It's like quitting smoking, quitting drinking. It's the same sort of thing. You have to change the way that the product is being delivered. The groups that were there or the singers that were there, yeah, you know, a lot of people didn't hear about them. But look at the Queen's Plate. Look at what the Queen's Plate's bringing in. They're bringing in the Goo Goo Dolls and Our Lady Peace. They're kind of two groups that have been around for a long time and well-known. And they're bringing that in. And that's just it. Does uh, WEG have to put up some money here? They probably do. They're going to have to front this by bringing in some good entertainment and changing the way the facilities are in order to allow people or to expect people to pay to get into the doors. But I think they're on the right path of doing this. 
by charging people. And I think that once they get this all fig- figured out and they start charging people and people are still coming through the doors because they see value in this entertainment, what I think is going to happen is everybody's going to pick up on it. It's the same like with the slot program. Let's remember, it started in Ontario. And it just followed straight through. And I believe it's going to be the exact same thing. We have to change stuff. This is a good way to go. Okay, let's get Jay involved here. Jay, I think what Murray's trying to say is, and it's it's a very hard point to disagree with, is the supply and demand. I mean, is harness racing there? Is it on the map enough to be able to actually charge admission? And maybe we're going beyond special events a little bit. I mean, what do you, what do you think about the everyday racetrack and everyday racing? Um, I mean, I can tell you right now, uh, my home track that I grew up at at Balmoral, up until the last maybe two years, they charged admission. And they had, you know, I had never heard one quabble, even from the friends I would bring in high school, to go there for two bucks. It was, you know, they pay, you know, pay $5 to go to a high school football game. You pay $5 to go to a little league game. You know, these small admission prices – if it turns somebody away, they are just doing it to be petty. Like you said, the, uh, Murray said, the guy that makes a hundred bets one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year didn't go. Well, if he's betting one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, he's probably betting through a, a ADW. So, I mean, not, his money was not going to go through the Mohawk windows. It was going to go through where he can get a rebate. So that's you, you know, assume. those big betters. There's just no way. But John was absolutely right about it. When people see free, a lot of times they view it as second rate. It's, you know, it's just, they've done plenty of studies on this, but when you charge a little bit, they think that they're getting something, especially if you give them something with it. Hey, we're going to give you a t-shirt with it, along with with your admission, the first however many thousand people. Then it's, uh okay, you know, I, I'm getting some, a value here. I'm getting a great event, and I'm getting something free with it. On top of that, with, you know, just harness racing in general, is that you don't have to have, uh you know, we think everything's got to be free, and we have to. If it doesn't work, if we, you know, if we want to charge something or do something new, we give up on it right away. If it doesn't work the first year, I would like to charge admission next year. And if say if it's in, uh, attendance is down next year compared to this year, I would say okay, maybe it's not worth. I'd like to try it for a few years. But we have this thing where we go, oh, it didn't work the first year; it's over. No, you have to give these things time because now Weg's going to learn what they did wrong this time, and they're going to say, hey, we need to add value here. We need to have better uh, better concerts. We need to put uh, better things to give away, or we need to advertise this part better because we really failed with this sector of the market. But harness racing doesn't do that. So blind demand, it's okay to be wrong this time and learn from it, and then maybe you improve it, and also that uh, the $10 idea turns into a success. Murray, let's throw it back to you, and then uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Obviously, just asked uh, Jay about supply and demand, and if we're there yet as an industry to be able to charge admission. I mean, honestly, I guess the question is, and now let's throw the let's throw the big events out of, out the out the window for a second. I mean, because obviously there are a lot of racetracks that race every single day with overnight races um, and a lot of race days. Um, are we as an industry there yet to where we can charge admission on a daily basis? Well, you know, I, I, I can remember not that long ago, Meadowlands charged a dollar to get in. So what's a dollar? It was it was no big problem, even in, in its glory days. But from going from charging nothing to charging 10 bucks it, 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 it is pretty big, I think. And also, just, you know, my bottom line is I, I'm all for change. I'm an old fart, 
but I believe in change. I believe if it doesn't work, you've got to work at changing it and try to make it work. The, my problem is is what the change was. The, ch- the bottom line, as I said before, was he had a couple of thousand people who ordinarily, some of them better, some of them fans of harness racing. Uh, you know, I read a, read a couple of letters from people on uh, harnessdriver.com from people from Nova Scotia who normally, who every year go to, uh, go to the North America Cup. They spend four to five thousand dollars uh, getting there, staying there, bedding, eating, doing whatever. Those those two people with whoever they came with did not go, principally because of uh, b- because of the the the, the ten dollar charge. They felt affronted. These same people are uh, actually one of them. One of the two said that they weren't even going to bet on the race where they they always do. It's, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not opposed to change. I'm opposed to what they did. It, it, as Jay said, sure, change, but give some value for the change. There, there were, you know, unless you were a fan of, the, of, of the, the people who were giving the concert who I'd never heard of and never had any interest in hearing of, uh, maybe benefited, but nobody else did. Adriano, I'll throw it to you as we start to wrap this thing up. Uh, obviously, if you go, you may, as a business, start to put yourself on a slippery slope if you start uh, trying to pick and choose who we're going to charge admission to. So in other words, well, maybe if you're a regular uh, and if you've been here every day and you come here every day, we'll let you in for free. But maybe this guy, I mean, what's the criteria as far as letting people in and, and not charging? Here, here, here's, uh, here's one thing I'd like to add to it. You know, when whenever there's a business model that changes – you're going to upset some people and it's up to the people that are changing the business model to know and to research that what they're going to gain from it is going to be more than what they're, you know, who they're going to upset. And I think that they, they realize this, they know they're going to upset some people with the change of a business model. And I agree with them. I think, you know, there's going to be people that are going to be upset about it. They don't want to pay. They're going to, you know, they're going to pout. They're going to do whatever, you know, I didn't like it at the beginning either, but I think that in order to have change, you have to do something like this. Can they attach something to this? Can they attach? Uh, can they start off with charging people five bucks during the week, ten dollars on on the weekends, and attach a free betting voucher or a ten dollar you know food item inside there that costs them pennies to probably produce? Yeah, they can. They can start it off like that so people feel like they're getting value. But uh, I really think that they need to make some sort of change, and this is the change that I think is gonna is gonna start something a little bit better for for harness racing. Okay, Jay, we'll give you the last word. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. You don't want to nickel and dime people by any means. But uh, I really, you know, I am a firm believer in that it's a, just kind of a, a human nature to think that if you're paying for something, it, you're getting some value out of it. Now, you have to deliver on that value. As Murray has said and, you know, Adriana said, you know, once they get through the door, you have to make them convinced that whatever money they paid, and I don't care what night it is because, you know, frankly, we don't do enough on all the other nights. You know, they have to be convinced that man, I spent that was money well spent. You know, if it's for free, they can if and the still same things were there, they didn't really get that idea. But if you took them there, they paid ten dollars, and I don't care what it is, and they had a great time, stuff for them to do in between the races, they're gonna say, you know what, I, I'll go back to there. That's why people still go to the movies, even though they're exorbitantly priced, and you have to pay thirty dollars on food because they still enjoyed their time there. There's no reason why a harness race 
with, you know, uh, 14 races or 10 races a night, and there's something in between each race, and they can't say, hey, I had good time, the food wasn't really overly priced, and I would actually take my family and friends back there again. It's all about delivering on what you have. And if you're able to deliver well enough for people willing to spend on it, then we're doing the right thing. But if we're going to have a, a terrible product like many tracks have right now, by all means, you can't charge attendance. All right. Hall of Famer Murray Brown, and we're Sonner Adriano Sorella, and uh, the co-host of Trotcast Revolution, Jay Hockstiller. Guys, great debate. We appreciate you joining us. My hey, pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll tell you what, Mike. That was, uh, you know, and listen, this is a topic that you can see a lot of different points of view. And I remember, you know, going back to my Hazel Park days when I was the assistant general manager there, we actually charged a cover a couple of years for the Kentucky Derby to get in. And obviously it was the regulars that felt left out. The regulars that uh, were there every day or every other day for simulcasting and live racing that felt slighted because, you know, hey, I mean, honestly, they're keeping us in business every day. And now for a special event, we're going to charge you five or ten bucks. So I can understand that point of view quite well, Mike. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely understanding, uh, you know, that the customer would feel slighted. And, you know, they made some great points. You know, you have to feel like there is some sort of value in the uh, in the racing or, or in the product that they are presenting. And, you know, so what? And I know Murray mentioned, you know, I had no interest in seeing this person. Well, you know, the, the point of putting it on is they're trying to put something on for everybody. And so, you know, the concert may attract some people. Promotions might attract some people. Racing might attract some people. That's the key, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very interesting debate. And like I say, I could see it both ways. But one way, and this was, you know, from being management of a racetrack, and, you know, you're, uh, you're also management of a racetrack. And one thing that we have to remember is that there's nothing wrong with the racetrack making money. I mean, if, a ra- if the racetrack can make money, that's better for everybody else. And that's really why racetracks are in business to make money anyway. So, you know, hey, if they can make a few extra bucks, that's good. But are they doing it to the detriment of the long term? That's where the mighty debate is. And I'm sure that debate's going to uh, continue on Facebook. And we're going to continue right along with the show. Robert Cooper, the owner of Mel Marrow, is going to be joining us. And he's going to tell us about uh, what his prospects are. The Ben Franklin elimination coming up at Pocono on Saturday. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Two million dollars in purses. One unforgettable night at Sunstake Saturday at the Downs at the Weekend Sun Pocono on Saturday, July 1st. The best of the best make their way to Northeast Pennsylvania for this prestigious night of racing with the Earl Beale Jr. Memorial Trot, the James Lynch Philly Pace, the Max Hemp Memorial Pace, and the Ben Franklin Free-for-All Pace. Post time is 6.30 p.m. Fans can enter now for a chance to meet Wiggle and Jiggle and his connections on Eliminations Night, June 24th. Email your entry and why you want this experience to meetwidgie at mohegansunpocono.com. That's meetwidgie at mohegansunpocono.com by June 14th. Sunstake Saturday, July 1st at the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Don't miss it. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. 
New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. We're joined now by Robert Cooper, one of the connections of Melmera. Robert, thanks so much for uh, coming on and talking with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Well, Robert, talk to us a little bit about uh, what's going on with champion Melmara. And uh, Melmara has looked absolutely sharp so far in 2017. Um, Mel um, had a really good... Uh, turnout he was out at Huntington Farms which they did a super job uh, for his uh, winter off he came back super fresh he's 8 years old but he uh, he's a fresh horse right now and we have him geared you know for the Ben Franklin and um, you know he has 3 races this year coming in and um, Team Davis and Team Callahan have him razor shop right now and it's pretty remarkable that an eight-year-old horse uh, can come back to shop and 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 uh, possibly uh, throw some big big-time numbers out there uh, coming up soon. Visiting with Robert Cooper. Robert, let's take a look at the race. Uh, you've got the uh, Ben Franklin eliminations coming up on Saturday night. You're at race 11 with a field of uh, six others. You get a good draw. Uh, drawing post position number one, Wakazashi Hanover, Rocket Ron, Rock and Roll World. Uh, some of your uh, major competitors, I would say, luck be with you. can always throw in a good mile, uh, Sunfire Blue Chip. Uh, but like I say, you guys draw the rail. What do you think your strategy is for the elimination coming up Saturday? You know, uh, what's interesting is uh, last year, the elimination, we got the one. The final, we got the one. This year's elimination, we got the one. So uh, I don't know if that's uh, that's telling me something. But anyway, um, look, they're all good horses. And um, hats off to all the other owners. They all have great professional racehorses. But, um, you know, every owner wants their horse to win. What what owner doesn't want their horse to win or, or, or thinks the horse is going to win? But, uh Melmar is a special horse. Uh, you know, he had a world record last year. He's coming in fresh. We have him razor sharp right now. He's peaking in the rail. And uh, here's the key. I really think here's the key. We're not Last year there was a lot of intimidation with, quote, the big three. We had, you know, Wiggle and Jiggle, Wiggle and Jiggle, always be Mickey, 
Freaky Pete, and and, and the, the, you know, two of the three are out. And, and you know, hats off, Freaky's a great horse. But last year there was a lot of intimidation in, in, in the elimination. This year we feel uh, pressure's off, and just let the horses, you know, let, let the cards unfold where they're going to unfold. Now, the one thing about the Pocono racing surface, uh, Robert, is how fast that racetrack is. Do you think that Melmara coming into this race could keep up with the speeds? I know all of the eliminations last year went just about 147 or a little bit faster, or excuse me, a little bit slower than that. Uh, do you think you'll have any problem keeping up? Well, here's the weather report, and I'm a big believer. You know, anybody knows anything about Poco, Pocono, the surface is great. They're looking at 88 to 90% humidity, you know, if it doesn't rain and, you know, nobody knows if it's going to rain, that track is going to be lightning fast on Saturday. So with that kind of humidity, you have to figure, you know, 47 dot, you know, 47.1, 47 47.2, 47 47.3. So, um, yeah, based off last week's uh, race at the Middlelands, uh, if anybody watches the replay, Mel Mara had his uh, plugs in, you know, the bit, you know, the bit was in his mouth and, uh, you know, Corey was just along for a taxi ride last week, and um, you know, one's a mile, one's a five eighths. But uh, Pocono is a fa- is the fastest track in the country, in my, in my opinion. Robert, let's uh, put our optimist glasses on. Let's, uh, and I know this is probably not a good thing to do, but uh, let's say for the sake of discussion that uh, we're punching our ticket into the finals, and uh, you're looking at some pretty tough horses that are likely to make the final. I mean, Mick Wicked looked very good on uh, Saturday night, a North America Cup night, uh, winning uh, back with uh, Casey Coleman. Of course, Freaky Feet Pete is making his return. All bets off is a horse that uh, has just been at the top of his uh, game at the top of the free-for-all ranks for gosh it seems like forever now you've got rock-eyed optimist who actually paced the fastest mile here on ben stafford day at harris philadelphia going 48 and change then in the other division you've got the, the always dangerous split the house uh you've got the check six delta winner uh, certainly boston red rocks who uh may be starting to get his form back so you, even though you don't have the big three you still got a le- lot of heavy hitters out there that that you still have to deal with Oh, I agree. Um, it, it, it's a it, it's a good matchup. I mean, you know, no horse, there's no horse that stands out and and is going to go up one to two. And again, this is in my opinion. Uh, of course, McWicket, uh, Casey's done a tremendous job with that horse up in Canada, and uh, the last two starts were uh, you know were really impressive. But um, you know, Pocono has a bias, and then the other hand is. Um, no, when you're racing a Pocono in the final, it's a, it's it's a post position race. I mean, no, the winners of the elimination don't pick their post. So, uh, you know, you're at the uh, the almighty of what post you get, and that could play a big part of the final. But um, there's no question that the that the race is going to go 147 and change, 147 flat. I mean, with any kind of quick half, you could be in the high 146 or so. You know, it, it is what it is, but uh, they're all great horses, and um, I can't. I, I don't want to tell you my horses stick out. There's, nobody has a nobody stands out. This is a, a an even an even race uh, among a lot of horses, and you know, I wish all the owners uh, lots of luck. This you know, in the final or in the elimination, and um, you know, you have a lot of four year olds coming back. There's a lot of four year olds that are racing against age horses, which is uh, which is nice to see. 
Absolutely. Robert, uh, we talked a little bit about Melmera before we let you go. Who else uh, from the Cooper Stables uh, should we keep an eye out for in the next couple of weeks? Um, we just uh, probably purchased a horse named Deerfield Beach. He only made uh, his second start for the Davis connection, with, uh, which is he's doing a super job with him. We think he has a lot of potential. Uh, he's green. He's only a three-year-old, some beach somewhere, and um, I think you'll see uh, maybe late this year, next year, he'll be a a pretty good racehorse. Um, And then we're waiting for qualified babies this weekend. Uh, We we didn't qualify anything yet, but two-year-olds are up at the Meadowlands this weekend, and uh, you never know until they they hit that big stretch and their eyes open up and you see uh, what they're all about. Absolutely. Well, Robert, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck come elimination Saturday night. And, uh, hey, if everything goes good, we'll see you uh, the finals uh, Saturday, next Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I got you. No, I appreciate it. I want to show all the other owners good luck because uh, it's a special race. And, um, you know, um, these are all very, very talented horses. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right, Mike. Take care, Mike. That was uh, Robert Cooper talking about Mel Mara, who not unquestionably, Mike, has come back uh, from the brink. So sharp, three starts, two wins, and a second. And I'll tell you what, he's going to need to bring his A game because there are some heavy hitters uh, coming up in the Ben Franklin eliminations. And if he makes it the final, coming up next Saturday. There are some very heavy hitters, and, you know, we, we talked a little bit with him about, you know, the big miles they went last year. Wiggler, Jiggler, always be Mickey and Freaky Feet Pete setting world records in just about every start. Uh, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, before we go any further, Mike, our good friend from north of the border, Melissa Keith, uh, was uh, turned in a, a special report up in Nova Scotia about an OTB opening up in Canada. And uh, let's let's send it to Melissa for a special report. She sent this to us uh, a week ago. So uh, let's, uh, let's take a listen to what Melissa has to say. We look like a million dollars Every time they look at us, we'll blow Hello, Mike and Mike. This is Melissa Keith in Nova Scotia. And no, this is not the biggest harness racing story on North America Cup weekend. But significant? Yes. Canada's newest OTB, Off-Track Betting Lounge, is opening at Casino Nova Scotia, Halifax, on Monday, June the 19th. I spoke with the executive director who has quite a background in the sport, and I thought that podcast listeners might be interested. So I'm Chris Roberts. I'm the executive director of Casino Nova Scotia, so I look after uh, operations at both the Halifax and the Sydney site. And uh, you have quite a connection to harness racing, obviously, over the years. Can you tell us something about that? Yeah, I, I, my connection to harness racing goes back to, you know, being a, you know, three or four years old. My grandfather was a veterinarian, a horse vet, so I spent my childhood, you know, going farm to farm with him. My father uh, owned horses. My mother loved the horses. So, you know, we grew up at the racetrack. I was like every one of those little track rats running around picking up tickets, checking them against the results board, and uh, it sort of stuck. I became, um, when I went to university, I was looking for a summer job. I was in journalism at the time at Ryerson. And uh, Woodbine Racetrack hired me as, as a, I guess, a media office gopher, we'll say, which is exactly what I was. I spent the summers 
collecting largely thoroughbred, uh, you know, press clippings, writing for the website. It was a dream job for a kid from Dresden, Ontario, to be uh, working in Toronto. Through university, I wrote for Trot Magazine in the summers, just on a stringer basis, and then uh, Harold Howe, at the time, who was the editor, hired me on. Uh, he, he and Heather Mackay Roberts, who was the managing editor at the time, both left to uh, start a, a competing publication, The Harness Edge, and I took over Trot Magazine at that time. Worked in Trot for four years, went on to uh, general manager at Georgian Downs in Innisfil, Ontario, and took over uh, Flamborough and Georgian, working with Great Canadian Gaming at the time, Bruce Barber, uh, working for Bruce Barber, a legend in his own right, and then uh, from there, took a job at Edmonton Northlands as the uh, general manager at Northlands Park Racetrack Casino. Was there for five years and then got brought back by Great Canadian to take over the Nova Scotia operations for them. And you just took me on that walkthrough, and maybe you can describe or repeat some of the description that you told me about in there in terms of what screen numbers, how many tellers, machines, that kind of thing that people will want to know. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, when we launched, we wanted to make sure that, you know, whether we were taking four or five uh, simultaneous products, that we would have lots of coverage throughout the room. So, uh, currently in the room, there are 16 55-inch televisions. They're all the same size. Uh, and then there are three complementary sports televisions uh, just in the OTB section. There's another six 55-inch uh, uh, televisions on the poker side of the room as well. And that, that's a key to the room is it's split in two sections. Very clearly, you know, we're, we're dubbing it ponies and poker. Very clearly, the back half of the room is, is a poker room that will have six poker tables in it, all the bells and whistles that our current poker room has. Front half of the room is strictly race book. Sixteen televisions, there will be six teller stations, predominantly self-serve, always be a live teller in the room. And, and that, those are Truro Raceway staff that will be operating uh, the theater side. There's a full-service bar that will operate live on weekends, and then we'll have satellite service uh, you know, during the week when guest counts are a little bit smaller. And you mentioned that there's going to be knowledgeable hosts there who can help people with machines or help them with whatever it is that they're looking for in the race book. Yeah, I think Truro's taking a bit of a different bent on on, um, on service in, inside the room, which I think is really interesting. And, and Joe Nicholson's probably the guy to talk about that with. But uh, my understanding is that as opposed to simply having a teller in behind a station waiting for folks to come up and bet, uh, that they'll be more of an executive host within the room. So, yes, they'll be selling programs and they can transact bets and cash tickets, but also an ability to teach folks uh, how to use, you know, the self-serves uh, and to cater to their needs. So, you know, whether that's needing to order a meal or get a program or, you know, find the right table space, the hosts in the room will be, uh, will be able to cater to those needs. You know, I think it's a really interesting concept because this is a market where racing is being introduced. It's been vacant for a long time. So to come back, I think having that hosted environment is very smart. It's been just over three decades since Saxel Downs closed. And it's good to see somebody with a harness racing background and passion in charge of this new OTV that's opening here. So what makes this market still such a harness racing market? You know, I'm not sure it is a horse racing market uh, so much, but there's all kinds of horse racing potential. You know, Halifax is the most underserviced metropolitan market in Canada by far, and it's why I'm. It's why when I landed here, uh, it was such a priority to bring horse racing back to metropolitan Halifax and do it in a first-class sort of way. Obviously, there are all kind of tentacles connecting where we are today to the history of, of where harness racing was, as you said, with Sackville Downs and whatnot. It's been out of market for a very, very long time, but I know from spending my own time, I mean, I spent a lot of half hours at uh, the Bedford Yeah. incognito, 
uh, and there's still, you know, there's still a, a lot of passion for horse racing in the market. But my guess is that there's a lot of latent passion for racing. It could be brought back. And if not at a live track, I mean, I certainly see lots of Halifax folks down in Truro Raceway on, on weekends. Telefeeder is, uh, is, is the next best uh, option. Consider who we are. According to the 2010 equine census, we are 28,340 people with 81,000 horses on 16,040 properties that comprise 587,000 acres. Our assets are $5.6 billion. Our direct operating expenses are $363 million. And our economic impact has never been accurately measured, but is in the billions. We are every breed and every discipline in the horse world, and we are the place where many of those disciplines began in these United States. We are the Maryland Horse Council. For more information, visit mdhorsecouncil.org. That's mdhorsecouncil.org. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. All right, we're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, uh, presented by Bet America. And uh, Mike Carter, we were going to go around the horn, talk a little bit about the Pocono elimination races, but uh, unfortunately it's being reported some very sad news uh, in the harness racing industry, Mike. Yeah, we've just received uh, word that driver Hervé Fillion has uh, passed away. Um, it's coming through the uh, through the wavelengths um, that we that we are reading uh, within the last uh, about 15 minutes or so. Um, the news is being reported again. Hervé Fillion passing away after a uh, after a battle with uh, with sickness, Mike. Yeah, I know he had a variety of health issues, but certainly one of the best drivers that uh, ever. Uh... Drove obviously that ever sat behind a horse, and uh, we interviewed Hervé Mike not too long ago, maybe about what would you say about three four months ago, um, and uh, that's available on the archive. So certainly uh, some sad news. I know it's going around social media right now. Freddie Hudson, who was running for the USTA president a couple of months ago, posting it. Our good friend uh, who we've had on the show, John Palvinelli, also uh, posted it as well. So certainly on behalf of all of us. Um, here on Post Time with Mike and Mike and all of us here at Harris Philly, our condolences to the Phillyon family. Um, well, I guess, Mike, what we're going to do now is we're going to kind of forego the rest of the programming. There are eliminations coming up on Saturday. 
uh, for the uh, Ben Franklin and all kind of stakes. It's on stake Saturday, and that is going to happen a week from Saturday at Pocono. Uh, and we'll uh, certainly be on the tweet and the Facebook and uh, giving you updates uh, from Pocono uh, this Saturday for elimination. And, of course, next Saturday might even be on site. Mike, I'll have to let you know. I'll have to see how the how the schedule plays out. But uh, Jim Bavigli and the gang at Pocono will be joining us next Thursday. Uh, so will Darren Gagne, and of course, uh, for an updated guest list of next Thursday's show, you can log on to our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com, or follow us on Twitter, and uh, or like us on Facebook, follow us on social media. Mike, anything else? No, I think that'll uh, that'll wrap things up. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, another edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. First post will be 10.30. Goodbye, everybody. Can't stay here I know